Do you need a landscaping job tackled? Keen Landscaping is a family-owned and operated full-service landscaping company based in Dallas, Texas. Anything from property restoration and tree pruning or removal to landscape design, construction, and installation, Keen covers it all. They're also the official landscape company of the Dallas Stars. Learn more at KeenLandscaping.com. Again, that's K-E-A-N-E Landscaping.com. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now, here's your host, Parker Keene. Parker's MMA Show, episode 46. We are back in action. This week, we've got a special guest. Billy's going to give us a little intro on our guest. All right. This week, we are interviewing Orion Koske. Uh he is coming off a win and a contract uh, well, on the Dana White Contender Series. Um, I believe it was two weeks ago was his fight against uh, you know a young undefeated fighter and Matt Dixon. Uh, Koske's now seven and zero, seven finishes, uh, fighting out of Humboldt County, California, with uh, Team Alpha Male in Sacramento. Uh, his brother Lewis was also on the card. He's also seven and zero with seven finishes. So we're really excited for this interview. Definitely a hot prospect. Someone to watch in the UFC uh, coming out of a huge gym. So, uh, Parker, let's see if we can get uh, Orion on the line. Let's do it. How are you? We got you. How's it going? Doing really good. You both able to hear me? Awesome. Oh, yeah. It's crystal clear for me. Awesome. Awesome. So, Orion, thanks for coming on the show. Um, We wanted to just kind of jump in and get your story a little bit and then kind of talk about what's going on these days for you getting the UFC contract recently. So um, we're going to dive right in. So Orion, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. We've, we've read a little bit about you, heard about you obviously on the Dana White contender series, a great story with you and your brother, but uh, just kind of tell us in your own words, a little bit about your upbringing. Uh, we were there for each other a lot, you know, um, we bounced from home to home quite a bit. There were good times and there were bad times, but our main focus was trying to just make sure that we were always there for each other no matter what, through the thick and thin. Um, I, I feel like that adversity of growing up, dealing with the bullshit that we dealt with as kids, and then, you know, as teenagers, we were just kind of numb to it. So as kids, like, it didn't really affect us because we thought, ah, fuck it, this is normal. But as teenagers, we started becoming numb to that kind of stuff. We were, we were just so used to it. We are like... Yeah, fuck, just a normal day. <clears throat> and it wasn't until, like, we got out of high school that we are like, oh, fuck, you know, if we look back at it, it's kind of fucked up. Especially when I was, like, winning, like, scholarships because of my history and how I grew up. I didn't realize it, like, it was weird. Uh, Bruni, she was our counselor at the high school my senior year, and uh, she entered me into the scholarship. And I was like, all right, cool. She's like, hey, just write a little bit about your backstory. And so I, I didn't even tell her like you know it's kind of a fucked up childhood you know saw a lot of shit kids shouldn't see when it comes to growing up but i end up going out to you know we call it out town because we grew up on the rest so anything by the coast is out town for us because there's a mall out there there's you know fast food and shit like that bro you fucking hillbillies out there but um we get there and there's like i'm just up with nothing and some a pair of pants i'm thinking nothing of it and then i see all these other kids they're all dressed up with like makeup fucking hair put up dresses and suits and i'm like what the fuck is this and they're talking about they said like when i was five years old i broke my leg and a doctor told me i'd never be able to walk again but here i am i was like fuck that's kind of sad but you know what good for them they push on through and then my counselor bruni she found out about my story. She asked family, she asked friends, and she did not take anything I wrote. She said her uh, part of how I grew up, and everyone's just fucking crying. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this fucking bitch, how dare she? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, people coming up, and the kids are coming up to me. They're all giving me a hug. They're all, we're sorry for what you went through. And I'm like, I'm not. I mean, like, and I'm just sitting there, like, trying to eat my food, and people are giving me a hug. And I'm like, what? My, my story's really that bad. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> 
so I didn't really realize it until then, you know, I'm thinking like, but there's a lot of people out there with worse lives than I have, but you know, in the eye of the beholder, your life is only as worse as you allow it to be. So that's why my brother and I, we always sold ourselves. We were never going to allow our childhood and the way we were brought up or whatever traumatic events we've seen to shape us into being negative low lives. We were going to do something with our life. My brother said it best. Um, he said, without my brother, I'd probably be dead or on drugs or something. And vice versa. If I didn't have Lewis, I'd probably be dead or on drugs. I'd probably be a piece of shit right now. But I just wanted to always be the best role model I could, especially with what we had. Yeah, that, that leads me into my next question. So as, as the oldest brother, I'm the oldest brother in my family as well. But the oldest brother is meant to set the example. Um, did you kind of see that at an early age and is that something you've always worked on and taken pride in is just setting a good example for your younger brother and making sure both of you stay on the right path exactly that's all i ever wanted to do was make sure that my brother and i were taken care of whether i had to do it myself or if we had other family do it um you know even in high school even in elementary school i always made sure my little brother was taken care of i would always tell people my little brother comes before anyone else and that's anyone else parents other family friends like no one came before my brother lewis like that that's my best friend so that's great man i'm i'm the oldest brother in my family as well i got younger sisters so it's a little different but totally understand where you're coming from there nobody comes before them um what sports did you guys play growing up you and lewis together uh, it's more like what we didn't play, but we uh, we wrestled. Obviously, we you know we grew up wrestling, but we also did basketball, football, baseball, um, and then I kind of did a lot of different sports too. Like we we're just kind of naturally gifted because we just grew up liking to play sports, so we can play soccer, volleyball. It, it doesn't matter. You name the sport, and we're kind of pretty. We're just pretty good at it already. Um, but for the most part. My brother, he didn't play basketball. I played basketball, but he supported me playing basketball. He would come to the sporting events. And we kind of knew we'd already be fighters when at one of the basketball uh, tournaments we were playing at, some kid got beat by my brother in a game of 21. And the kid got butt hurt, so he went and tried to push my brother down. And my brother got, got up and beat the fuck out of him. It was pretty bad. Like, it hurt, uh, his mom wanted to press charges, and Lewis was all, he pushed me first. And she's all, wait, what? He's all, yeah, he pushed me down first. And she was like, and then she just fucking berated her son. She's all pretty much like, you got the ass whooping you deserved, you little fucker. Fuck, <laughs> pretty awesome. So we had to go and stop that during the basketball tournament. And, you know, we grew up fighters, though. It was because of our lifestyle. We were always told, like, hey, if anyone tries to fucking shove you, if anyone pits on you, you fucking end that right then and there. And that's the way we are, you know. Um, I was talking about it in the post-fight press conferences and the uh, the interviews that, you know, if anyone ever tries to get up in my face, you know, the hand-to-the-face bullshit, I'm calling it right then and there. The fight starts right then and there. I like to believe that I'm a very respectable person when it comes to face-offs, so I'll do my best not to put my hands right on people's chin or right in front of their eyesight or try to be an asshole about anything jaw off. If they want to jaw off at me or if they want to jaw off at Lewis, that's one thing, but when it comes to me, myself, or Lewis himself, we've already agreed that like, you don't talk about our family, you don't talk about anything like that. You, if you do, it's on-site, but we're not going to be like everyone else who says, oh yeah, it's on-site, and then not do shit. Like, I will do something. So that kind of leads me to my next question. Obviously you talk about you and Lewis grew up fighting. When was the first time you got into kind of a formal martial art, whether it was wrestling or jujitsu or boxing, something where you were actually in a gym and not just fighting in the street? Yeah, no, um, I was three turning four when we uh, first started wrestling. And then my brother, yes, he was a year behind, obviously in age. He started one year later, but, um, you know, and then as we got older, our dad had us, like, doing boxing at home or, you know, just, like, little backyard fights with our friends in the backyard for boxing and then wrestling around and stuff. And as we got older, we were literally hopping off a school bus and waiting for 20 minutes for a kid who would have to come down from the top of the hill because we grew up in the boonies, like, we grew up in the woods. So if the kid's like, hey, man, I have 20 minutes from the bus. 
the bus driver would accommodate for that. And, you know, if there was snow after 20 minutes, it's like, hey, man, like, we figured that you guys were coming, so you're not going to be marked out. So it was pretty chill. But, like, the snow would have fed stuff. Um, we'd hop off the school bus, and there'd be, like, seven or eight of us, and we'd just hop playing Dragon Ball Z. We're beating the fuck out of each other. Like, we'd go up, and there'd be, like, two-on-ones, three-on-twos. Like, you fucking name it. It was a blast. Our only rule was, because we got in trouble the first time, was no strikes to the face. And that happened after we're all beating the shit out of each other. We get to school and a couple of kids have black eyes or a busted lip. (laughs) What? That you would have fresh wounds and we're like, we're playing Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) They should be like, no no more. So I hear you guys do that again. You're all going to be grant like suspended. So we're like, so we just said no more face shots. And so we started hicking to the body and uh, legs and stuff like that. But then, one day I did a spinning bat kick and I accidentally popped one of the kids in the face and we're like, oh fuck. <laughs> so Holy shit. We're like, yeah, we're playing tag and I accidentally pushed him too hard and fell. And she's like, all right, well, you're going to have 15 minute uh, timeout at recess and like timeout was, you know, like recess was like 30 minutes. I was like, ah, whatever, no big deal. But we, we didn't get suspended for it. We just figured out ah, we got to stop doing that shit. So obviously you talked about it in that story and we all saw your big Shenron tattoo on your arm. Um, I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan as well. So I'm wondering who's your favorite character? Goku. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, no Goku. And then um, I've always liked uh, the concept of Brawly, you know, cause in Dragon Ball Z, your, your, uh, your strength is based off your anger. And it's like, okay, it's kind of dumb. The reason why Brawly was so mad also at the same time it's um it was pretty unique that he wasn't mad and that's what made him strong he was strong because he was crazy like he was born pretty much like sociopathic and um yeah he just went crazy from how much power he did have so that, that was pretty cool in my senses but if i did have to choose like another one it'd have to be cell cell a pretty badass villain and then obviously because of cell we got you know Super Saiyan 2, Gohan. All, all great choices. Parker, you want to kind of move to the uh, the next segment? Yeah, so Ryan, um, when what was the point that you and your brother both realized that you were going to get into fighting professionally? Uh, probably back in high school. You know, I really still wanted to play football. I wanted to wrestle in college. I wanted to be a multi-sport athlete going into college. And then I realized doing more research, it's uh, – it's either football or wrestling. You don't get to choose. And I was like, the guy thinking, well, you know, wrestling's in the winter time. But no, fucking, I got fucked over on that one. The it's a long time one. But I'd have to say, back in high school or even as kids growing up, you know, we we grew up watching Pride Fighting, the original UFCs, WEC, and Strike Force, uh, and we grew up with an older crowd. We didn't really hang out. Too often with people our age, we're more so if we were with our parents, we were stuck hanging out with the older guys. And that kind of gave us like that older mindset mentality of like, hey, man, you do got to work for the shit you want. You know, life isn't fucking easy. We heard a lot of people say that, like they come up to us and be like, hey, man, like we know it gets tough. And no matter what you guys go through, just make sure that you're always trying to do what you got to do for yourselves and make sure you always stick together. But ever since as kids, I think we just wanted to fight. And obviously, you know. As a kid, you you say a couple of things like, "Oh, I want to be a movie star," or "I want to I want to go to the moon." Like that's my dream. <clears throat> like, as a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. That shit would have been badass going to space. But um, you know, I think for the most part, though, it was kind of integrated into our genes. Like we were going to fight from a very early onset, especially with how we grew up. You know, we were raised to fucking watch an episode of Dragon Ball Z and then be told, "All right, start fighting." We're like, "All right, fuck it, let's fight." <laughs> My brother and I, we would spar around a lot. So I think it was kind of like ingrained into our DNA from a very early uh, mindset without realizing we were going to grow up to fight. But as we got older, we realized, fuck, dude, we love fighting. It makes us feel better. Yeah, so, um, Orion, I, I think, you know, a lot, there's a lot of fighters that, you know, have a similar background. Maybe they had a fucked up childhood or they have a lot of aggression from growing up and different issues and stuff. What is your biggest message to pass along to maybe the next generation of fighters say some you know 
five to 10 year old that's growing up in a similar situation as you did, what's the, the best thing you can pass on to them from what you've learned through those experiences? Man, just always tell yourself it will get better. No matter how hard it seems, it does get better. You know, fucking a five or 10 year old, that's rough. Like if I could tell myself, if I could, I've, I've thought about that question. I'm glad you brought that up because I always do like this hypothetical if I could travel back in time and talk to, you know, five-year-old and then four-year-old Lewis or 10-year-old, nine-year-old Lewis, and I, I'm just talking to, you know, me and my little brother, and I would just sit there and say, hey, man, you like, keep working hard, work out every day, keep doing sports, you know, don't ever let anyone influence your life. And that's how, you know, I would tell them, I would tell kids, don't let others that live a negative lifestyle influence their lives. If someone tells them, no, nah, look at us like we're, you know, no one ever made it. Why would you make it? Stay away from those people. That's what I always told my brother, Lewis. I always tell my friends that I'm like, dude, you want to live in a positive lifestyle? You want to get what you fucking work for? Live that positive lifestyle. I said in 2017 to my brother and he was not even uh, sure if he was going to be able to fight or not. He was like, fuck, dude, you know, the fighting career might not even take off. And I was like, you let me know if you need help with anything. But we're going to make it as fighters. But I told him, and I told many people, my brother and I will be in the UFC. We're going to be in the UFC in 2020. I said that since 2017. In 2020, my brother and I would be in the UFC. And that's before I even started my pro career. I was trying to find fights for two years. Like I literally had a two-year layoff because it was so hard to find fights. Like I had to go to Wisconsin for my first fight. And because, you know, I'm this guy who had amateur fights all finishes it, it didn't help make it any easier for you know somebody to want to take their pro debut against me but all those people just keep working hard fucking it does get easier even you know when you have life-threatening situations my brother and i we understand what that's like so just keep your you know chin tucked hands up fucking fight against the world because no one's going to give you anything unless you fucking work for it that's awesome all right, let's get into your fighting career. Uh, talk a little bit about your early early career leading up to the shot on the Dana White Contender Series. Obviously, you mentioned a little bit about your amateur career, but just tell us a little bit about your amateur and early pro career. Yeah, so I went 8 no as an amateur. Uh, Tapology doesn't say that. I was 8 no as an amateur. They just didn't do the research. Finish all we'll my get fights. it fixed. We'll get it fixed. Right. Uh, it's kind of hard because my first two amateur fights, they were in a, um, a tournament. So it's like a, you pay 25 bucks to enter, and if you win, you can either win 250, um, 500, or a thousand bucks. And so I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I'm gonna win some fucking money. And it just depended on how many fights you had. If you had one fight, you only got 250. If you had two fights, you'd make 500. If you had three fights, it was a uh, thousand. So I had a seven man bracket, and I got put into my first match, and this fucking turd comes up to me and he's like hey you're Ryan Cosey right and I was like yeah and he's all I look forward to fighting you in the future but not today I was like wait you're joking and he's like no no I'm not gonna fight you I'd lose there's no point in fighting and getting beat up in front of my and he shook my hand I'm sitting there like what the fuck's happened my homie Jeremy's like then just go out there and get your ass whipped bro like we'll make sure that we sub you hella fast and he's like no I can't do that he literally walked out the doors start calling his name because we were just about to fucking be called to go fight and i'm sitting there like what the fuck just happened the promoter came up he's like hey we can't find your opponent i was like of course you can't he just fucking shook my hand and walked out the fucking door he went home he said he's fucking not fighting and uh the promoter's like, are you serious i was like yeah he's all are you ready to fight right now i was like yeah so he's like, all right well then you're gonna fight the guy that you would have fought after you won i was like all right cool and so my first fight, I ended up, like, getting seven. So the way the tournament worked was it was one three-minute round every round. It didn't matter, like, semifinals first, uh, you know, championship. is one three-minute round. And if you took someone down, it was 30 seconds on the ground total, right? And I got, like, seven takedowns in this fight. The guy never landed a single punch. And there was a point where, like, I'm on top beating the shit out of the dude. And I'm fighting at 185 pounds. And this guy cut from after the fight I found out, you know, I was – 19 years old and he's cutting from 225 at the age of 27 to 185 walking around 185 at that time 190 walking around 185 or 190 and shit like that and uh yeah fucking you know i go and get it all said and done and fucking 
one one judge, and this is the reason. It's not even because of what I've seen in the UFC or other fucking fight cards. It's because one fucking judge was like, "All right, and the winner by split decision." I'm sitting there like, "What the fuck?" Like this guy didn't land a single down seven times. I beat the fuck out of him for three minutes, and the you know the judges split decision. I talked to the fucking promoter. I was like, "What?" He's all, "We already fired the judge. We have a new judge coming." Holy shit! Found out it was just some wanted to see me lose. Like we found out it was just some guy who. Did, uh, because of high school wrestling and my attitude, like, you know, I fucking walked around as if I was the best. He got all butthurt because of that. I'm just like, dude, if you're in any sport, you should fucking feel like you're the best. That's the point of being in any sport. If you're in fighting, you should want to be the best. But that answers that question if there was about why I don't trust judges because I think they're all fucking stupid. I just waste my time. Get into that. Yeah, I don't want to waste my time having to go to the judges when I can get the fucking finish. And that's why I always work for the finish. More exciting to see a fighter go for the finish than, you know, this past UFC card where we see a fighter who doesn't even get the finish and then their excuse is, oh, well, I wanted to prove that my ground game was actually good. Don't count me out. It's like, let's fucking face facts. You just couldn't get the finish and you're fucking making saving face. But no, tournament-wise, those were fun and then more amateur fights. After that, I finished all my fights. I made sure to finish every single one of my fights, and I always had a blast doing it, and I think I just wanted to fight at that point. I even was supposed to go pro when I was 6-0 and as an amateur, but my last, I had two more amateur fights because the week of, the guys would pull out, and so they'd find like a last-minute replacement. I've already fucking spent all the time cutting weight, training my ass off to fight. I'm like, I just want to fight, man. I got family and friends coming. I'll fuck up whoever. And then there was a two-year layoff because I just wouldn't take an amateur fight. People would be like, hey, man, you know, I won't fight you as a pro, but I'll fight you as an amateur. And I'm like, I want to get paid. Nah, fuck you. Like, two years later, get my first pro fight, and then, you know, that keeps the ball rolling. And I've been fucking going pro ever since, and so far it's worked out. All finishes. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your experience on the Dana White Contender Series. It was cool, man. You know, we, we flew in and they took really good care of us with having to deal with all the COVID bullshit. I mean, it, it was just a lot of testing every day, fucking, you know, being uh, restricted to your hotel room and like the fitness room that they give us. Like, it was like a mate, it's just a hotel makeshift into like a wrestling mat and like a uh, portable sauna and stuff like that. But it's a. Uh, it's pretty unique, man. Having those cameras on you, I didn't. I didn't really care for it. It was just cool to have that experience with my brother by my side and me by his side. You know, all those people uh, just supporting us on the way. I think the coolest part was uh, the walking out to the cage. Like they told me, all right, walk out here. And like right before Matt Dixon, he walked out. They had me waiting in this one little spot, and I was like, man, this is kind of fucking surreal. It's really cool because they see a TV. Like you're watching TV with leading up to the fight, then him walking out, then they're like, all right. Started walking up, and they showed my shit, and then me walking down. I was like, all right, fuck, this is real. Like, this, this is happening. It was weird not having fans, though. It felt pretty cool not yeah. having fans. Like, well, it's pretty quiet. All right. Because usually you're used to, like, hearing a bunch of people, thousands of people. But for me, it was, like, just a couple people. I'm like, cool. I get to fucking hear, like, every single punch, every single shot. Like, that's awesome. But it kind of felt like a backyard stool fight you know like just a few people watch you and some other kid and i stool fucking scrapping it up it's pretty unique yeah. though. i can't wait to fight again though right now i'm still awesome healing up a broken foot but that's about it you know i'm just doing some light training i haven't been able to get into the gym like i want to but you know once i'm able to get back into it it'll be good so um how special was it to be able to share that card with your brother obviously it's in my opinion, it's probably been one of the biggest stories of the whole contender series this summer, you and your brother. Um, but how awesome was that to both punch your ticket on the same night? I mean, it's just hard work and dedication coming through. You know, we went into it. I told people I was going to finish the fight in the first, but fucking, you know, I just said, hey, if I don't finish, because my team was like, no, you know, there's a real possibility. He's strong. He's durable. I was like, fuck, I'll finish him in the third. I have a couple of those. I don't give a fuck. I just told them, I was like, I'm going to finish the fight. I'm going to get signed. My brother's going to finish his fight. He's going to get signed. But it wasn't our first fight card fighting together. We fought on the same card as amateurs and pros a couple of times. And um, 
we just wanted to make sure that we could take care of everything the way we need to take care of it. We want to fucking get it all handled. But I knew going into the fight card, all we had to do was win. We win uh, with finishes, not decisions. But if we win by a finish, that we were going to get signed. So after I finished my fight, I fucking, I was just sitting there. And I remember the people in the back being like, hey, you know, your brother's about to come on. I was like, yeah, I'm not sitting down either. Like, I hope you guys don't mind that. Like, I'm, if you fucking wins, we punch our tickets. So, you know, it's about some fucking uh, heartfelt screaming fucking you know show support they're like more than happy and then you know that pad out they did of me yelling fuck i remember just yelling and fucking started like the other people that were in the back they're oh fuck <laughs> like that's gonna be <laughs> loud but it was pretty cool man like talking with uh you know talking with parisian and he was a cool dude he was an anime head just like i was i was like fuck let's uh, let's talk and he's like all right now i'm really rooting for you and your brother and i was like all right fucking cool so, you know, he like he even shared with my brother once, too. And he was like, fuck, you guys are going to fucking be big stars in the sport. I was like, oh, man, thank you. I was like, it uh, means a lot to hear that from another fighter who's working to get his own contract right now. Because he was, a, you know, a, it was his second time on the show. And I was like, fuck, I like that. There's no way. Like, we're talking. It's like, you can't not be given a contract. You finish this, dude. And it was your second time finishing the guy. And in pretty impressive fashion, like, you got to fucking get that contract. And he was saying the same vice versa. He's all, fuck, everyone was talking about how you're going to lose to Matt Ditson. Like, we were all expecting you to lose. He's all, fucking, you proved everyone wrong. He's all, fucking, I love it. <laughs> so, he's a cool dude. But it, it was fucking, uh, overall, like, afterwards, that emotion of, like, everything finally setting, settling down. Like, we had people calling us and crying. We're like, fuck, don't cry. Like, you don't have to cry. But it was all, it felt good to hear all that support. And the emotion from it finally being like put into one surreal moment of we made it. And now that we've made it, we're back to the stepping stone progress. This is just a stepping stone. Now it's the work hard to grind up, no matter how many fights it takes to get to that fucking title. So you you kind of mentioned it in there, you know, this is kind of step one on the journey, but when you look back on this and you say, this is what I want my legacy to be in MMA. What is that? What does that look like for you? To be known as one of the most exciting fighters, as well as one of the most dominant fighters, you know, I want to go out and be able to have fun with the sport. I want to change the sport. I want to be known as one of the most humble in a sense. I'm not, you know, humble in defeat and humble in winning. I've never felt defeat yet. I've never tasted defeat. And I don't want to, and I don't plan on ever losing. That's my mindset. I fucking, when I'm thinking about my fights, going into a fight, I visually will do mental training, kind of like in Dragon Ball Z, how they do mental training for any fight they're in and how they can win. And honestly, it's a loser's mindset if you go into a fight thinking, man, there's a real possibility I'll lose this fight. That's a fucking loser's mindset. Now you're fucking worried about certain fucking things. You're, you're worried that you're going to lose. Losers fucking worry about losing. I have that winner's mentality. My brother has a winner's mentality. And some people will call it cocky. And it's like, nah, dude, it's just self-confidence. And I think a lot more people would be a lot better off if they had that self-confidence. Because when you're losing, that means you're losing in the gym. And that's fine. That's where you're supposed to lose. Lose in the gym. Put yourself in those tough positions where you let your partner start with, you know, double underhooks in a backpack position on your back, fucking double leg grip. And then start working from there, and then every minute having a fresh person come and hit that position. But every time you work out of that position, if you get yourself in a better position, having somebody right out, you know, right on you. It's always training yourself to be in the uh, the worst positions to fucking be able in a fight to make that look easy. On fuck, he's getting right back up. Fuck, he never even was in one bad position. He didn't look like he was worried at all. That's how it should be for a fighter. And when you think about this, I think a lot of fighters get caught up between balancing kind of legacy and money, right? And so a question I always like to ask guys is, if you had an option to make $1 million for one fight or fight for a world title but make nothing, what would you choose? Fight for the world title and make nothing because right after that, what do you think the UFC is going to do? They're going to be like, fuck, this kid is awesome. He took this fight, said pretty much fuck the fight purse. And then you win that title fight, everyone's behind you thinking you had so much fucking self-belief that you'd win this title knowing you weren't going to make a single penny. That's sponsor endorsements. That's fucking Nike saying just do it. Nike's fucking, you know, 
at that point, Nike's giving you a handjob. Gatorade's blowing you. Fucking everyone, top notch. They're going to be like, we want the Orion Kosi bandwagon. And I feel like a lot of people should do that. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, <clears throat> if it was just any regular fight, fight. Uh-oh, we lose him? I feel like he was getting going there, too, with that question. <laughs> he was getting cranked up. <laughs> Orion, do we have you back? There he is. Yeah, so uh, having my phone right here, my phone overheated. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I feel like you were just getting riled up there. No, no, no. Yeah, straight up. Phone just overheated out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I had to turn on my car and set it right next to the, uh, the air conditioning, put it on low. So I'll keep it right here for now. Are you guys still able to hear me clear? Or do I need to turn that down a little bit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. No, we got you. It's perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, sorry about that, guys. Fucking. Um, so you no, so, uh, can't just take question. any random fight for free, but. You know, if it's the world title, that's a different story. I have so much self-belief that I could win that world title that <clears throat> it's one of those things where I would definitely do it because after that, every fight after is going to be worth, you know, six figures, seven figures. And I'd be able to have that kind of pull because who else wouldn't want to fucking pay for pay-per-view to watch a guy who's fucking fighting for nothing be like, dude, like this guy really believes himself that much. Like, I think a lot of people would buy that. And then especially afterwards where... Winning the title, fucking people are like, man, I want to watch this guy fight all the time. But I just tell them, give me a lot of pay-per-view points. I want fucking 20%. Be like, I fought for nothing for you fucks. I want more. All right. So, um, awesome. I, I want to get into a little bit of your you and your brother's fighting style and kind of where it came from. And, um, I mean, me personally, I love fighters like you and your brother. Like, Justin Gaethje is one of my favorite fighters. Dustin Poirier. Guys like that that get in there and just go after it every time. There's no point fighting. There's no playing it safe. They're going in there to get finishes. And that's what drew me to you and your brother when I was watching you live a couple weeks ago. I, I had never heard of y'all before. And after I watched you two fight, I'm like, these two motherfuckers are going to go places. These, these are guys that people... I, I called Billy. I said, have you heard of these fucking guys? Have you heard of these guys? And um, I don't know. I just think people like you are fan-friendly fighters, and I just want to kind of ask, where did you guys develop that fighting style? Is that something that just came natural kind of through your upbringing? Yeah, I'd say so. It's just the way we grew up, you know? Don't take any shit. And um, I think it's more so the fact, like, you're not, you know, it's kind of like uh, the way I see it, you're paid for the fight. So the fight, if it lasts five seconds, fucking cool. You just made that much money to, you know, to fight and to win for five seconds of work. Or you can go out there and fucking make it go on as long as you want. You know, there's people that, oh, you know, I, I don't mind getting a decision win because fucking whatever. But it's like the more decision wins you have, the more damage you're taking. That means like especially like I've seen fighters who base their careers off of winning by decision. But let's face facts. How fucking exciting are they usually when they're getting those decision wins? Like they're not exciting. Like if it's a fighter going for the finish and they win by decision, it's that's one thing. I understand that and I respect that. It's like fuck, dude. Like these guys battled, won by decision because they're fucking both going at it, or one person just so damn tough headed and uh, you know, so much heart and desire to not fucking get finished. That the other guys like blowing their wad out all three rounds or all five rounds to try to finish the fight. I respect those fighters. I don't respect fighters, though, that fucking say, you know, I'll, I'll win by any means necessary, uh, even if it's the decision. It's like, yeah, but you just went out there and didn't do anything. Like, you had multiple opportunities to finish the fight, and you didn't even try to go for the finish. Like, you're just fucking, you're kind of fucking bland. You're, like, reading a Superman comic, and all of a sudden, he has a fucking power out of nowhere. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So um, you mentioned a little bit that you and your brother watched Pride and WEC and Strike Force and stuff growing up. Are there any fighters, either past or present, that you guys take inspiration from or, you know, some of your favorite fighters growing up while you're watching those organizations? Um, no, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, like, I didn't have a bunch of favorite fighters as a kid. You know, I grew up and my favorite fighters were like, Fuck, there's so many of them, like Fedor and Mirko Krokop and fucking uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson. Uh, 
Vandalay Silva, Ricardo Arona, like those guys were exciting. You know, you, we had uh, Carlos Newton, like a lot of those exciting fighters. The late Kevin Randleman, that motherfucker was super exciting to watch. Um, and th- there's just a bunch of Don Fry versus I can't remember the Asian dude's name, but he was a giant Asian dude. That's one of my fucking favorite. Billy will know this. Takayama is the guy you're looking for. Thank you. Yeah. And they're just fucking grabbing each other by the back of the heads and smashing each yeah. other's face in with fists. That, like, there's no technique behind that. It's like, all right, fuck you and fuck me. We're going to fight. It's like, dude, that's <laughs> like, it was amazing to see that. And then, you know, throughout history, there's a lot more fighters like Anderson Silva um, and a bunch of those guys, Chuck Liddell, Rich Franklin. You had, uh, you know, even watching Uriah, uh, Uriah Faber as a kid, that you know, he was exciting to watch. You had Jose Aldo after he started taking over the supremacy of the WEC. The Diaz brothers, like, there's just so many as a kid growing up. But then as soon as I got into high school and I realized, you know, I do want to fight, I kind of quit thinking of them as like, fuck, these guys are amazing to thinking, hey, if they're at 170, they're in my fucking way. And that's the way I started thinking about it, you know. I don't have a favorite fighter anymore. My favorite fighters are myself and my brother. Uh, Awesome. But, you know, I, I support all my training partners from Alpha Male and Lost Boys. I support, you know, friends if they decide to get into fighting. But it's like, at the end of the day, I support them. But my favorite fighters, again, are myself and my brother. That, that's how you have to do it. And if your favorite fighter as a fighter is somebody else, if you ever have to fight that person, you might not fucking fight them as hard as you need to. You know? Um, just growing up, man, it was one of those things where fucking... It was cool to see those people. You're all, fuck, these people are going out there and doing that for our, like, viewership. It's amazing. Our own entertainment. I I love it. And now as a person who's doing it for other people's entertainment, it's crazy because I'm doing it for my own entertainment as well. I I just love fighting. It's kind of like that Goku thing. It's like, I just want to fight the best there is and the strongest there is. That Matt Dixon fight, um, I asked my manager to get me the best fighter available that the UFC – and I was like, give it to me. I want to show that I'm the top prospect. I don't give a fuck. And that's how that worked out. Awesome. So now that you and your brother are in the UFC, what's the goal for the next year? The goal for the next year is to get more fights. You know, I want to be able to get a couple more fights. I want to be able to keep that contract going. It's a four fight or a two year contract, whichever comes first. But They said it was a rushed order, so that to me means either they're trying to get me back in there sooner or later, or they just needed to get it done because, you know, fucking I beat the guy who looked like a fitness model versus the guy who looks like a power lifter and just a hard-headed fuck. Uh, Well, it was pretty cool. You know, a lot of people say, like, you saw it as, like, pretty, like, confrontational. They don't give a fuck. But the people I met, they were pretty chill. But I like them, like, they didn't give me any problems. Older gents doing their job, and I was like, "Fuck, I can respect that." You know, they're in their seventies. I'm gonna give them the respect they deserve, and you know, they, they didn't try to like force me to do anything. They didn't say like, "I was at work yesterday." And they're like, hey, you know, like you have to stop doing what you're doing. They're like, "No, take your time." You know, just as long as we can do, just stay in the line of sight. I was like, "Yeah, cool, no, no problem." They're chill about it, but I've also heard situations where it's like, you know, people just have a newborn baby, so then they're showing up knocking and knocking at the morning. morning. Jesus. Again, on the October card, um, either October 24th or October, or is it the 26th? I think it's the 26th, right? Yeah. I think it's, it's the 24th, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think there's one the 24th and one on Halloween. I want to fight on the Halloween card. That'd be fucking badass. If not that, then I'll fight again whenever they tell me, hey, man, we got you a fight, but. I want to try to get through this contract. I want to get to that big money contract. I want to get rid of, you know, the low pays. Uh, yeah, I get that. I just got to the UFC, so be happy with what I got. But it's like, if you're just fucking content with what you have, then that's, again, loser mentality. Fucking right. I'm always looking to fucking do better for myself and try to make it to where I'm able to make more money. And I already know that with my brother and I, we'll fight on the same cards again. So we're actually interested in making a UFC history with debuting on the same card for our UFC debuts as brothers. That'd be awesome. Wow. 
Um, cool. Well, Billy's got a couple more questions, then we'll get you out of here. Perfect. That's cool. All right. I just wanted to ask you, what do you, you know, obviously Team Alpha Male, it's one of the most famous gyms in the sport. Uriah Faber is an absolute legend like we've already talked about. What has been your experience with Alpha Male, and how often are you and your brother kind of getting in there and training together? Because I know he's technically with Lost Boys MMA, so I was just wondering, you know, what's the, the split there with your training as well? Uh, just whenever he comes down to visit, pretty much, we'll go in together. Like, like I said, I haven't been in there since my fight, just because resting uh, the foot injury. But I'd rather be at 100% than, you know, 85, 90% trying to train and then re-injuring myself. I, I got my foot is fully ready to go for the next fight. But, you know, anytime I go up to Lost Boys, I'm always up there training with the guys. And so plan is to get back into Alpha Male and Lost Boys sooner than later. So anytime I go up to Humboldt County, though, my brother and I, we're always training. It doesn't matter. Even during COVID, we train outside of the gym. And we, you know, we have mitts. We can hold mitts for each other. We can wrestle around on the ocean or on the, uh, the beach or on grass or something. There's too many fucking fighters making excuses for this COVID thing. And too many athletes making excuses for it. It's just, you know, to them, hey, man, I'm not going to risk it. It's like the CDC just came out and said that unless you have pre-existing health conditions, only 6% of the people that passed actually died from COVID. I'm not sitting here going to say, like, COVID isn't real, like, you know, fucking prayers, you know, out to fucking all the people that are affected by it. But if you're not affected by it, if someone you know isn't being affected by it, why live in fear? You know, there's a lot worse that could be happening. You could, you're more likely to die in a fucking car crash than you are to fucking die from COVID or any sickness. You know, you don't hear people talking about cancer like you do COVID and it's because not everyone gets cancer well not everyone's getting COVID either and so I feel like a lot more people need to start going back to their livelihoods and start living that lifestyle of like hey we've got to push for what we want not just allow you know the government or the media to dictate how we should be living our lives but I remember people telling me like no you need to like I was going outside to go for a hike and I'd be like hey man you know me and the fiance had a great day hiking because for some odd reason family friends wanted to keep updated and people are giving me shit like you guys are not being careful. You know, you should be staying indoors, wear your mask. And it's like, go fuck yourself. I'm out in the fucking middle of the woods. What, a tree's going to fucking give me COVID? Go fuck yourself. Like, I got in the same situation this weekend. <laughs> right now. Some, la- yeah, some lady stopped me and started screaming at me for the same thing this weekend in Colorado. Fuck that. Like, if I'm outside fucking sw- so people can go to a fucking pool and then take off their mask and all of a sudden, hey, you can't get COVID if you're in a pool without a mask. But if you fucking step outside of that pool, you better put your fucking mask on. It's like, go fuck yourself. Obviously, fucking if you're in a pool with a bunch of people, if you're at the ocean, there's a bunch of people and they're telling you, hey, if, if you're in the water, like, you don't need to fucking wear your mask. But as soon as you step outside back onto the beach, you better have a mask ready. It's like that makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to go inside a fucking Ross just for less without a mask. Like, I don't know if there's fucking sick ass people going in there. And like the casinos, like, I'm glad they fucking implement that mask. Well, I don't have to fucking smell smoke anymore. I don't have fucking smoke going in my face all the time. It's like, fuck. Like, fuck you people who smoke cigarettes. Is that where you're working at the casino? No, I, I don't work at the casino. I oh. work at the, uh, the UFC gym based in Rockland, so... Okay. Luckily for me, there's no smoking. If someone's smoking out in front, I'm just telling them, yo, get the fuck out of here. You're going to scrap with them? So uh, that led me into another question. How how do you feel that the UFC and MMA in general kind of, you know, maybe set itself apart from other sports on how they handled the whole COVID situation, being they were the first sport to really come back in the national spotlight? I think it set a precedent that we were going to allow ourselves to be told no. It's like, at that point, it's like, fuck, you got it, you know, the world needs something to entertain it, because all that was entertaining the world was the news, and just negative news, you never hear anything about positive news anymore, and so people are like, fuck, you know, this is life, 2020 sucks, it's a shitty place, but it's like, 2020's been pretty fucking good for me, it's been pretty good for my brother, it's been pretty good for people I know, like, why is it 2020's just shitty, it's like, but hasn't every year since fucking 2012 when we were all supposed to die, according to the fucking media outlets and shit, like, 
thought we were supposed to die every year. And then you got these fucking crazy. I'm talking about like the crazy Bible thumpers. I'm, I'm not talking about like people that are like, you know, they go to church and they're like, hey, man, you know, prayers out to you and blessings to you. I, I go to church with my fiance and, you know, her family goes to church, too. But we're not all fucking crazy to the sense of like end of times. This was said in Revelations. Like anytime I've heard a fucking person do that, I'm like, didn't you say that last year, you crazy fuck? <laughs> or the year before and the year before that? It's like, dude. If we were all gonna fucking be dead, we'd be dead a long time ago. Like, shut up, enjoy your life, fucking. Just, I feel like a lot of people should just go out and enjoy life more often. Yeah, if we gotta wear a mask to go out, whatever, wear a fucking mask. But if I'm going out hiking and I'm going out swimming and shit, I'm not wearing a mask. People can go fuck themselves. My family Amen. included. Amen. Amen to that. Um, hey, so what? What are the advantages of having a legend like Uriah Faber in your corner and to train under him, a guy that's you know, been pretty much everywhere and seen everything you can in this sport. Oh, it's cool to uh, pick out his brain, you know, to uh, hear from the, like, the self-promotional aspects from him. It's cool to hear that, but at the same time, too, like, there's a bunch of coaches, um, you know, like my coach Brian, he was in my corner a lot longer than Uriah, and I worked with Brian a lot more. um, So it was one of those things where it was, like, it was neat in the sense that I was able to have Uriah in my corner, but, and, and it's nothing to, uh, you know, to throw out Uriah as like a negative thing, but it is a lot more awesome to have somebody like Brian in my corner as well for some, because he was somebody that's been by my side for seven years as a coach, six years as a coach. And, um, it just meant a lot, you know, he was giving me good, uh, words of advice too. Like Uriah was the one with the mic on and Brian was right behind me. So you guys didn't hear Brian, but Brian was saying a lot of good shit too. He was right there in my corner saying like, Hey man, when you go out there, you're doing a really good job with wearing his arms down on the cage, you know, just stay heavy when you're against the cage. You're going to be a lot stronger. You have nothing to worry about. Let's, let's keep the ball rolling. And I was like, yeah, you're actually, you know, I was like, fuck yeah, that's, you know, that's good words right there because of the fact like that is my style. Like if someone has me against the cage, fuck whatever I wrestle, I'm not going to get tired here. Like you're not doing anything. I'll just wear your shoulders out, wear your arms out. And I feel like I did a really good job of that. You know, when he put me down in the first round, they already like said like, Hey, this is a real possibility. Like he could take you down. So I was like, well, fuck it. If he takes me down, I get right back up and on the way up, I'll fucking hit him with strikes. And that's what I did. Um, but second and third round you know that's when i started i i got pissed after that first round i was like he's not taking me down again i, I straight up told them both i was like he's not taking me down again fuck that and then third round i said to both of them he's done i'm gonna go and finish this fight but you know there'll be people that are uh there let's put it like this there's always gonna be the person that is by your side and i'm lucky that i don't have that but there's going to be people that are by your side that are snakes they don't believe in you and there's always going to be that person for somebody fortunately enough i don't have that right now but i am always on the lookout for that i got great training partners at both alpha mill and lost boys they're both at home to me and i'm going to keep it going that way the only thing i'm worried about is that one person who's afraid of your success and now tries to fucking go behind your back and bet against you and tell people like not to support you i just don't want that for me so fortunately enough now i don't have that but i know i will have that in the future so i'm going to keep a lookout for that and i'm just going to keep winning and rub it in their face i always made sure i don't hang uh hang around snakes all right one one last question here orion um in your mind what is the biggest issue in mma currently and what would you do to fix it oh the eye pokes and the judging. Yeah. Eye pokes and judging, man. It shouldn't be that fucking hard if someone gets an eye poke and they're a notorious eye poker that it should just automatically be a point deduction. Like, if you poke somebody in the eye, it's us as the fighter to know you can't just open palm somebody unless you know for a fact you're not going to eye poke them. I get that there's eye poke accidents that take place in the sport. But if you hit somebody with an eye poke, and then if you hit them again, they're fought. We all, what fight was it where Herb Dean allowed five or six eye pokes, and they were all just warning. It's like, no, motherfucker, you fucking call the point deduction. You let it be known, hey, do something about your fucking hand. It's your job as a ref to go out there and not be afraid to tell somebody, hey, if you eye poke, it's one warning. If it's a blatant eye poke, it's a point. 
And if you do it again, does not matter if it was an accident. It's your job as a fighter. It's like the back of the head thing. If it's our job as a fighter to wash the back of the head, it's our job as a fighter to wash where our fucking fingers go too. And the judging. The judging needs to be fits. I I feel like athletic commissions need to quit dicking around and actually get previous fighters in there. They should get world-class fighters, legends of the sport, who are willing and able to go and be judges. Because let's face facts, we see a lot of judging nowadays, and there's a fucking hometown favorite, and all of a sudden, person gets their ass whooped, but they somehow won by a split decision. It's like, in what fucking world did they win? And we see it all too often. So I feel like a lot of judges are incompetent. I feel like if a judge or judges show incompetence and the UFC shows like, hey, statistically speaking, this person should have won this fight, they should tell the athletic commission either A, you guys do something about this, or B, we're going to do something about this. And I get that the UFC doesn't pick and choose the judges. It's the athletic commission. But I also feel like the UFC has a lot of leeway on saying what the athletic commission can say and do when it comes to judging. I feel like they should take advantage of that. Sweet. Awesome. All right. Yeah, Orion, well, that, was, Orion. that was fucking awesome. We really appreciate you coming on. That was awesome. We'll have to get you back on, you know, maybe around your next fight or something. But uh, we really appreciate it. Billy, any closing words? Hey, I just, you know, I want to remind everyone, you heard it from the man's mouth himself, but he's 7-0 and as a professional, seven finishes, says he's coming to finish the fights every time. You know, big fan of pride, which Parker knows goes a long way with me of, uh, you know, knowing where the history of the sport comes from and wanting to be an exciting fighter. So, Orion, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, can't wait to see what comes for you next, my man. I'm, I'm expecting big things. Thank you guys so much. And as soon as I get fight news, I'll update people. And then I look forward to doing this again with you guys. Awesome, man. Best of luck. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Take care, guys. And blessings see. to you. Thank you. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit ParkerKeensMMAShow.Podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.